Hello there, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. <laughs> Here we are, again. Fancy that. It's me, Stephen Hill. How you doing? Hope you're good. Hey, Renfrey. Renfrey Deadman's here as well. Hello. Hey, Renfrey. How's it going? What about that for, what about that for an upbeat opening? Oh, it's very upbeat for you. Yeah, I Isn't like it? it. Yeah. So you that? T- oh. Turn over a new leaf, haven't I? <laughs> good. I'm, I'm pleased to hear it. Uh, are you well, Sting? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty good. We're recording this in... Lovely, summery, sunny hotness. And I've been um, sitting out in my garden today, having a nice time, mm-hmm. listening to music, borrowed a puppy from my local coffee shop. They don't sell puppies, but I- the woman down there, she, uh, she's she got a puppy and I just said I'd look after him because she was, he, was in, he was in his little pen in the coffee shop. In his little pen? He had a little, well, yeah, you can't have a dog running around a restaurant can you well no but yeah okay so, yeah. all right so i took him and i took him in the and i've had a lovely afternoon sort of two days on a trot with a puppy that's good is that why you're so happy i think it is yeah called loki Koki. loki 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 <laughs> <laughs> what as in l-o-w-k-e-y or l-o-k-i i think l-o-k-i uh like the one from Batman or Spider-Man or whatever it is. So we'll get we'll get tweets. <laughs> we'll get tweets. <laughs> no, we won't. No, None of our listeners care that about that shit, do they? I've no idea. I mean, we've got quite a few listeners. I th- I'm sure there are quite a few who do. I mean, I don't think they they mind that I don't like modern superhero oh, stuff. I don't know. Have you been on the internet recently? I have been on the internet recently, yeah. I'm more worried about making sure everyone remembers that people compared feeders to the Smashing Pumpkins than I am like, wondering about fucking Michael Bay's Supergirl 3 or whatever's going on at the moment. And... <laughs> I don't think they've quite got to Supergirl 3 yet. Although, you know, it's inevitable, I suppose. Mm. I think it is inevitable, mm. frankly. Um Anyway, well, that's a little pre. But anything you want to add to any of that, really? Anything more no, no. Than what I've just said? No, uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm happy. <laughs> just no, just no. No. Uh, good. good. Anyway, listen. There's plenty of news that has happened that we're going to be diving into this week. Plenty of quite amusing things have happened and interesting things have happened. I mean, actually, when I say amusing, other than I look at what it is, I feel like a bit of an arsehole now because it's not really that amusing. But there's been a couple of amusing and nice things. And there's also been some pretty fucking horrible things as well. So we'll get into that in a little bit. And we're going to be talking about new albums from Kendrick Lamar, Spice and Cave In. Although not in that order. I don't know why I put Spice in front of Cave In because normally I do it in the order that we do it in. But... <laughs> No, I didn't this time. I can uh, redo that for you. Kendrick Lamar, Caven and Spice. Yeah. There we go. Bit of expertise here on this side of the (laughs) the table. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. I tell you what, we've had a fucking stinker over there. Really, like, thank you for... In fact, I'm not even going to tell you to sign up. I'm going to say thank you for those of you who haven't cancelled because we haven't given you anything for a little while. You probably know the reasons why I'm not going to go through them again if you've been listening to the show a fair bit. I will say as well, we were going to do the special prodigy with with Merlin and he, because of what happened with Trevor last week from Black Dahlia Murder, it kind of scuppered it right in the middle, which is fair enough. And then Merlin's now moving house. So we can't do it with him either. So we might actually 
Just me and you do it over the next couple of days, I think, Renfrey. I think um, we haven't actually discussed this, but uh, live meeting on the podcast. Um, You're privy to this. You listening. (laughs) Go on. Uh, We're probably going to record it early next week, aren't we? And when I say early, I mean like first thing next week. So so first thing next um, week. Certainly we will make sure it's out by at some point next week. And I've got busy kind of few days. I think like, you know, there's I'm going to see my chemical romance on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Um, seeing all the people tweeting about that, like fuck me, people are going mad for that. People are well excited about it. I mean, I can excited. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad they're excited. I mean, Mm. I'm mostly going to see Placebo. I'm not going to (laughs) fucking lie. I'm more excited about seeing Placebo than I am seeing My Chemical Romance because I've looked at the set list. Not enough three cheers in there for me, frankly. But I'll talk about that on the show next week. Right? Okay. Yeah, I will. I'll talk about that on the show next week. I think I might go and see the Pet Shop Boys while I'm up in London. I might go and see the Pet Shop Boys on Sunday. Very nice. Where are they playing? The O2. Oh. Hmm. But I tell you what, getting straight into reviews, Renfrey. Okay. I bought myself two tickets to see Kendrick Lamar in November. Have you? And that is where we begin, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Because I thought that's... I'm um and ah about buying Pet Shop Boys tickets, but... Ain't no women in R in when it comes to seeing Kendrick Lamar, um, particularly in the aftermath of this. This came out last week. If you're interested in it, chances are you've probably already listened to it. Chances are you've heard it. Chances are you've read quite a few reviews about it. We are throwing our two pence into the ring with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, the fifth studio length, the fifth, the fifth full length studio album from the Californian rap superstar, the follow up to 2017's Damn. To, to um, be fair, um, it is a studio-length album if a studio happened to be multiple miles long because it's quite it's quite an epic record. This isn't it? It's double album, yeah. It's, it's a double, double album. album, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. double album. Although, to be fair, what would it be in a double album? It's it's thematically a double album. Mm. Both both halves are fairly short, thirty-three minutes and thirty-eight minutes. Yes, going by the old logic, <laughs> i.e., my logic of uh, double albums on CD. This would, you know, this could take you up could. just one seed. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. just, you know, just like Hardwired or Yellow and Green or like we've talked about quite a few of them quite recently. Um, but it's more of a thematic thing, I yeah. think, in this case, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's a, isn't definitely... It, isn't it like, is it a Jekyll and Hyde type thing? I'm not sure. I'm completely making that up on the spot, but you know. Well, look, even if you're not, I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't really know if that is true. That it's a sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing, mm. but I got that. Mm. Like, yeah. I've not really read much about this album. I mean, we should say, you know, this is probably going to be the biggest album that we review this year. I would say, I would be really surprised if anything more high profile than this comes out in 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had Donda 2, which no one can actually listen to. Um, I'm not sure we're going to do a Harry Styles album. Um, uh, <laughs> is like billy eilish or i mean even when you think they're massive like we're not going to get a foo fighters album i'm not even well obviously we're not going to get a foo fighters album but you know i i don't even think that would be cause for such massive do you know what i mean like that the, the the bands from that part of the world have kind of their recorded material that has established them as being absolutely huge has kind of come and gone at this point so i do think this is the biggest album that we're going to review this year that's what I think. I imagine you're correct. Um, 42 million monthly listeners on Spotify compared to mm. Foo Fighters, 15 million. So, yes. The weekend, I'm... actually, I, 
we've, we've actually reviewed the weekend at the start of the year yeah. uh, oh, well. so that might be that might be one I'll do such to you yeah the weekend's got about 85 million monthly listeners so maybe that's maybe that's going to be big I don't know anyway still, it's one of the biggest ones right considering Kendrick Lamar's career and certainly the last two records to pimp a butterfly and damn were just so mm. critically lauded i mean arguably two of the most critically lauded records of the last decade mm-hmm. so yeah it's a big it's a bfd big fucking deal it is big it is big and i have to say right i mean look in normal circumstances we probably and i feel we should probably um but we haven't but we should have like and i think we would have done a separate full review of this record rather than sticking it in the show because it's massive and it definitely deserves um both in terms of its size and its content i think it deserves to be strenuously poured over but i've got to admit renfrey mm. <laughs> i'm almost a little bit relieved that we don't have to do that mm. because trying to review this record is intimidating yeah definitely yeah i agree do you feel a bit of intimidation sort of approaching this record um i <laughs> i mean you know long-term listeners will know that i tend to feel a little bit of intimidation when we approach anything hip-hoppy um so <laughs> add on top of that the broad scope of this album and it really is very very broad the the things that it's um bringing in the dynamics it it becomes apparent very very early on the record i think the first time i listened to it by the third track i was like okay this is gonna be a hell of a ride a hell of an adventure and it's gonna go to lots and lots and lots of different places um so yeah i i mean absolutely do i feel intimidated yeah i feel intimidated but you know it's certainly a really fascinating record and there's absolutely an awful lot to talk about so mm. i think just to kind of fill in the blanks with kendrick lamar so weirdly <laughs> i can't remember this is not a very cool way to admit that uh that you found out about kendrick lamar but the first time i was made aware of kendrick lamar was um uh he did a verse a feature on yolo by the lonely island uh the snl parody rap group all right which is quite a good song. But I remember hearing that and being like, oh, it's Adam Levine from Room 5 and this guy called Kendrick Lamar. And Kendrick's bit in that song, whilst it is only 20, 30 seconds long, it's really good and it's really funny. And he's got... He brought and brings, as he does, such a completely unique style and vibe and flow and you know the kind of the lyrical dexterity of that little tiny bit maybe go he's cool that guy he's really cool and they're not really thinking about him that much until to pimp a butterfly came along Mm -hmm. and seeing people going absolutely fucking bananas for that record like absolutely bananas like that album i think has a shout for being the most critically lauded record of the 2010s I think that's probably got a shout of doing that. It's undoubtedly a contender. I always like to quote from Metacritic and why not here? Uh, mm-hmm. Scoring 96 out of 100 on uh, Metacritic. The that actually feels quite low to me. <laughs> really? Okay. The um, best reviewed album of 2015 according to Metacritic's, you know, aggregate scores and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I mean, 
it's uh, it's an absolute monster uh, to pick yeah. a butterfly. Yeah, and you know it's incredible. And I went and listened to it, and I was fucking blown away by how brilliant it was. Just completely blown away. I and, only um, listened to it for the first time earlier this year, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. I, I, it's like, incredible. I haven't got in under the skin of it yet, so to speak. But um, yeah, I did actually listen to it um, towards the beginning of this year, and uh, it was very impressed yeah i think it's just stunning and what it's gone on to kind of the kind of the, the cultural significance that i like to bring up quite a lot of the record is yeah you know insane and at that point i was like oh i should listen to more of his old stuff and i went back and i you know i, I think good good kid mad city is fucking brilliant as well um damn i i you know like by Kendrick Lamar's standards, I don't think I like Damn quite as much as his other records. I've got to be honest. Okay, but I do think it is still a, a brilliant, a brilliant album by anyone's standards. A decent album by Kendrick Lamar's standards. And you know, at this point and at that point, and going on, you know, he's headlining Glastonbury this year. He is a fucking superstar. Mm. This guy, yeah. like, he is an absolute fucking superstar he feels like the sort of dominant definitive artist of the moment i think personally i can see that yeah mm. and you know it's been a funny few years for him i think and you know there's been obviously during the pandemic i think that he was due to kind of play shows whilst the pandemic was coming i don't know if maybe that's stopped this record from coming out but it's been a fairly big gap in time you know 2017 and there's obviously the black panther soundtrack as well um which is pretty good and then you know so but, but really we're looking at five years between studio albums so again the anticipation of this record is massive well as he says on um the very first song united in grief uh, 1855 days since he mm. last released an album so yeah mm. um and here we have it now we like you say when we get to chuck our tuppence into the pot into the the many many opinions surrounding surrounding Kendrick Lamar, um, I don't know whether to start sort of broadly or um, go for individual tracks. I feel like kind of there is a broad <clears throat> statement. I think I could probably make straight away about this album, but I'm actually quite interested to see what you think about it. You've already said like, oh, it's obviously going to be something of a trip. How do you kind of broadly speaking feel about this record? Broadly speaking, I think it's uh, incredibly um, interesting, experimental, um, very personal piece of work, and I think I think the majority of it is really fantastic. Like, I really, really do. Um, <clears throat> don't worry, I'm not going to review the reviews, but <laughs> but I will say that I've seen a fair few reviews which have said that like there isn't a single like duff track on the record i wouldn't personally agree with that but i will also admit right now that that might be down more to taste than anything else uh, but i will say mm -hmm. for an album that is 73 minutes long 18 tracks a huge number of these tracks are fantastic i mean we're probably for me and it, i appreciate it might be different for you but for me 
probably like 14 of the 18 I think are fantastic and something which I've been kind of nervous to express this opinion on hip-hop before but I've heard a lot of people who really do know their hip-hop say it so I feel more confident in saying it now I quite often feel like um a lot of hip-hop albums have these moments of genius which are just absolutely fantastic but then there's quite a lot of filler you know um and i suppose it's becoming less true as the years progress with the sort of better artists i have to say i've become a real convert to kind of hip-hop's um the the albums the sort of i think hip sorry to butt in but i think considering that the album it's as an art form is becoming less and less you know like in, in some people's eyes kind of redundant and hip-hop is such a dominant genre i think the fact that so many hip-hop artists big important exciting hip-hop artists do still treat the album with reverence i think is really really cool just well, to say I, I certainly think it's obvious that kendrick lamar does um i mean you may disagree with this especially based on the fact that the uh your the review was far more um your your take on it was far more positive but that Pusha T album for for my money had a few flashes of absolute genius and then i mean to call the rest filler is 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 harsh but it's a drop off definitely uh, but but big drop offs mm. um and i think um certainly considering the length of this album it's remarkably you know i do think there are drop offs on this record personally but it's remarkably uh strong throughout particularly its second half in my opinion for my money the second disc quote-unquote is better than the first um but i suppose that's getting into it isn't it i mean that but that was i i I love i mean the, the sheer amount of piano work on this record piano is not an album that i associate with hip hop all that much um and probably one of the main bar bar vocals obviously probably the main instrument on this album is piano mm-hmm. and I, I love that i love the way it sounds it there are points where it goes into kind of oliver arnold's kind of territory but albeit with kendrick lamar rapping over the top and there are some uh, just just things like that which i know you know when it comes to this genre i'm no expert but i haven't heard much of that kind of thing happening i'm not suggesting that this is the first you know kendrick lamar's the first artist ever to do it but it's certainly a really cool sound um but there's loads more on it i mean there's sort of uh you've got kind of 80s vangelis vangelis style things you've got these really aggressive um fights almost set to music and stuff it's it's a fascinating record undoubtedly Mm. So, um, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this. Do you remember when, because uh, you might be, you probably are too young actually thinking about it, but. I am very young. You are very young. Do you remember when Michael Jackson brought Bad out? Probably uh, don't, do you? Uh, I mean, I, uh, I think I was three. Okay, right. Because I was only eight when it came out, to be fair. Right. So it's not like I was reading Q when I was yeah. eight or anything, right? But, I mean, so I don't remember it actually coming out, but I remember the singles being on and. You know, I remember seeing the posters. I remember seeing Michael Jackson on TV and stuff at the time. And there was this sense when around that period where you just went, well, he's just better than everyone else, isn't he, this guy? In every single solitary respect, he's just 
the absolute fucking main man, this geezer. He's got the fucking lot and he's backing it all up with the way that it looks and it sounds and it did it. And, and I know it's a completely different thing, but that's sort of how I feel about this record. Mm. I sort of listen to this record and I think, you're taking a piss out of, your, of, out of us, mate, because this is a mainstream hip hop artist. This is the biggest artist possibly one of the comfortably he's going to be in the top three biggest artists that we cover on this podcast all year like no fucking doubt about it unless like led zeppelin get back together and release an album or something like that do you know what i mean like this guy is huge and 45 million spotify whatever headline glastonbury yeah. millions of streams da, 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 it's going to be number one all over, all across the world he is massive he's a fucking superstar and for him to release a double album of such depth right i think like it um, you would expect it to sound incredible i'm not even going to give it that much like of a pat on the back for sound for the production being good because the production should be good do you know what i mean to serve these songs to serve this idea and with the amount of money and the amount of time and effort and the amount of people who aren't gonna like the production should be good the fact that the production is fucking incredible the sound design the collages of sound those piano bits how good they sound how varied it is how kind of you know how the mood of the music switches with the intention of what he's um speaking about in all those songs i kind of expect that like i'm impressed by that obviously and i think you know you deserve credit for that but that is the, the almost like the least credit you should get for this record I'm going, to give, I'm going to give a quick interjection just because I think the production on 90, like 90% of this record is amazing. There mm. are a few times where I go, <sighs> which, okay, this doesn't make it bad production, but there are a few times where I go, well, that's not the choice that I would have made. Um, but sure. I'm, I'm interested to know the examples of what that would be. To be uh, N95. Um, oh, really? I think... It has this, so this second track. It has this. Um, it's going for this kind of bassy, propulsive thing. And mm -hmm. to me, I mean, maybe it's just down to the sonic sphere that I usually listen in. Christ, that was one of the wankiest things I've ever said. Um, but <laughs> quite a lot of competition for that as well. <laughs> but um, to me, it felt really tinny and weak. And, you know, I'm going to say I think it's a choice rather than it being quote unquote bad production. Ain't a choice I would have made, but um, it, it feels really tinny and weak to me. And I was listening to it mm. on Tidal as well with their kind of um, options for like master. Uh, I, I suspected that the production for this record would be amazing. And I went to the trouble of signing up to a free trial for Tidal so that I could listen Did to you? it in the highest quality possible. And for my money the I, I like i say i'm not going to say the production is bad it's just it ain't the choice that i would have made okay i see i mean that, that never occurred to me at all and i think i mean yeah so that's like one song out of the 18 um, though, right? i mean again i suppose it comes down to choices but there are a few songs that affect a kind of i'm not going to say r&b but more mellow vibe which... i think like kind of like low liquid funk lo-fi r&b thing i think that's clearly a, a, a thing that's on the record yeah i yeah. don't think that's a bad thing to say 
Um, so let's try and find an example. Let's back this up, Renfrey. Um Silent Hill, mm-hmm. I think, um, is so... I mean, Silent Hill may even be my least favourite song on the track, uh, on the track, on the album. It does come after a run of four incredible songs, I have to say. But it felt... This isn't on the money, but it felt a little bit mid-2000s, 50-centy. <laughs> I mean, again, it just felt really weak <laughs> and a bit... A bit. I, it, th- I mean, I would call Silent Hill. I really like that song, to be fair. Really? Okay. <laughs> but mm. again, I, again, it's probably a taste thing more than mm. it is anything else. I can see why you wouldn't like that song or you wouldn't be as keen on that song. Yeah, it's got a bit of... Um, yeah, it's got a bit of that to it. But I think it... Yeah, it's one of the few times where it does do that, to be honest, on the, the album. I mean, you know, to go back to what I was saying, it, it sounds... It sounds amazing. I mean, I think even if you say only 90% of it sounds amazing, the 90% that sounds amazing yeah, sounds fucking yeah. amazing, right? But I'm kind of more interested, really, in Kendrick Lamar as a man and as a person and as, you know, an artist and what he's doing here. This is so complex and brave, the shit that he's talking about. Um and is so unfiltered as well like there doesn't appear to be any kind of filter on what Kendrick Lamar is saying it doesn't appear like there's there's shit on here which has been pretty controversial right rightly or wrongly and you know there's language used on the first half of the record in particular I think you know you listen to We Cry Together which um some people might compare to Stan by Eminem, but it's almost like a kind of grown-up actual domestic abuse version of, of Stan. And it's hard to listen to, you know, it's a hard it's a hard fucking listen. It feels really quite voyeuristic. And I think Stan felt like when I when I, you know, go back and think of, of a song like Stan by Eminem, like that's a that's a cool song. It's a it's a great song. And it's a really good idea for a song. It feels kind of weirdly fake and voyeuristic, whereas We Cry Together feels very, very... um, Yeah, like I say, like it feels super real. I think Worldwide Steppers says some shit which most artists would really steer clear of saying. Um, To the point where... Like the first half of this... uh, Some of the stuff this reminds me of... That first half reminds me of the Holy Bible by the Mount Street Preachers. No. because he is saying shit that we don't that we, you wouldn't want to say out loud in front of people mm. i think there's stuff on the holy bible like archives of pain or of walking abortion where you look at that and you go <sighs> mate i know you're having a fucking rough time right now but this is a really dark quite vile sentiment that you are sharing with people at the moment you know we all want to be dominated in a in a fascistic to totalitarian state serial killers are cool like that's the kind of thing they're saying and and kendrick lamar is saying stuff about him about his fucking life which is the viewpoint of this person who was this voice of a generation and then has become a huge superstar and all of the you know the and all of the pushback and all of the 
you know the the obvious negativity and difficulty and and pressure that surrounds that and i think he's kind of experienced this and he's 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 going i've got all this stuff but i'm still fucked up as a product of things that have happened before it and none of these things that i've done over the past decade or so have helped me out at all and this is where i am like for real this is where i am and the first half of the record i think he kind of really quite bravely point paints himself as not a particularly often not a particularly sympathetic character like a complicated and difficult man you know and then the second half of the record i think then sort of gives you the idea of of why he's like that and it goes into these things i mean auntie diaries is one that people have have talked about a lot i'm not going to get into the the kind of the 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 gender naming politics of it i mean other people have done that some people from the transgender community have said that it's great that he's expressing that sentiment other people have taken um you know kind of uh have thought that you know he's maybe not done it in the correct way i think of a song like crown which you know again is is him kind of wrestling with his own sort of public persona um and then you get to mother i sober which i think is just the shit he says with which features beth gibbons from porter's ed and he says stuff on that song that i've never heard an artist of his type say before i've never heard anyone say this stuff before on this podcast right since we've been doing broadly speaking hip-hop stuff i've been very positive about a lot of it there's three to me that always really stuck out i think run the jewels and none of them are really like this album but run the jewels both clipping albums and dave now i think this is way too different to clipping clipping's kind of you know unsettling in a completely different way yeah run the jewels does kind of tug at your heartstrings but there is more a kind of social righteous indignation in a kind of broader sense with with run the jewels and there's some really powerful poignant moments in it the one that it reminds me the most of is dave and again yeah. dave is not really strictly hip-hop he kind of comes from grime and it's more of a sort of um you know it's it's a sub-genre of hip-hop this album feels like broadly speaking you know it's it's mainstream hip-hop from a fucking superstar and it really reminds me of the dave album it really re- reminds me of the dave album but without the kind of almost without the kind of the the party break that, that that last dave album gave you in the middle i think you know i spoke about how i think dave is a fucking genius i think he is a fucking genius i think that album is insane incredible unbelievable i think kendrick lamar's i think he's taken the piss out of everyone with this record i think it's like i think he's just clearly the best person in the world like do you know what i mean i just think he's this record is unbelievable it reminds me of of ghost teen the holy bible we're all alone in this together it you know like comparisons with other hip-hop artists feel stupid to me do you know what i mean these like mark mark morton from lamb of god far be it from me to agree with mark morton from lamb of god but he said miles davis and david bowie this is who kendrick lamar's so he's transcended hip-hop and I mean, 
I think this album is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like he's just so much better than everyone else. It's almost it's almost funny. It's mm. almost funny how much better he is than everyone else. Because I, think- I just I just I mean it's not funny because some of it is and and it leaves you with so many questions at the end of it. It makes you you have to listen to it again and again. I must have listened to this album 15 times in the last week. Like I can't stop listening to it. I still don't really feel like I got a handle. I still feel really intimidated at the thought of having to have an opinion about it. But all I know is I get to the end of it and I feel like drained and elated and, you know, invigorated and confused. And I, I, I just think it's amazing. I just think it's absolutely incredible, this record. I think the Dave comparison is a very good one. And actually, that's a very good point. Re, I mean, I guess the Dave album's another hip hop adjacent album that has a lot of piano on it. Um, <clears throat> arguably, this is even more experimental than that I Dave think it album. Is, I think it's comfortably is, yeah. yeah, yeah. In terms of actual musical experimentation, mm. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, there's some fantastic. I mean, just taking the first song, "United in Grief," which is absolutely astonishing, like really yeah. cohesive exploration of multiple genres. In in a, I mean, it's almost between the Buried and Me esque or Protest the Hero esque in the way that it changes and chops and changes, and yet it's always cohesive. Bring Me the Horizon could learn a lot from this song. Um, you know, it's it's an amazing way to start the album. That gorgeous piano over what sounds like a almost like a sped up trip hop beat. And I love that I Grieve Different hook. Like, so good. Mm. One, of, one of the best tracks on the album. It's not my absolute number one favourite, but amazing way to start Surely it. we've um, got the same number one, right? Surely. Um, well, okay, let's go straight to that. Uh, for me, it is Crown. Oh, okay. So we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Crown is just fucking <sighs> unbelievable. Very post-rock. <laughs> it, it, oh mate, it, it, yeah, and it's it is. <laughs> the, the, it, it kind of builds. It's the litany of voices that build in that song over this beautiful piano. The backing vocals are extraordinary, and a, and the song ends with Kendrick Lamar repeating that "I can't please everybody" line hook. Uh, it quotes Shakespeare a number of times during the song. Heavy is the head that chose to wear the crown to whom is given much is required now is from, mm. oh, I want to say Henry the Fourth part two. One of, one of the history ones, which I'm not as familiar with, but you know. It's, <laughs> you know better than me. But it's it's Shakespeare. Um, and, it's and, not the Merchant of Venice, I can tell you that. And yeah, for my money, it's, it is it is the best song on the record. What's, what's yours? Oh, Mother I Sober. Right. An extraordinary song, yeah. Mother I Sober is... Um, Mother I Sober is, is this year's heart attack for me by it's, Dave. It's interesting. Um, I, I, I think it's a brilliant song. Um, one of the one of the mellower tracks on the record, which actually does work for me. I think the fact that Portishead's Beth Gibbons is on it is kind of like, <laughs> I think yeah, before I, mean, I even been, heard it. That, and, and, and she is so great on oh, that track amazing, as well. Yeah. You know, she's so great. I think before I even heard it, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to like that song. Very simple piano and vocal backing, but it works exceptionally well, even considering the fact that the song is seven minutes long. Um, it reminded me of Brothers from the Gang of Youths album. 
in the that's way. another one that i was yeah that i was sort of thinking about i've thought about that gang use album a lot mm. uh whilst listening to this to be honest yeah. it, it reminded me of that um and and i think that's because it's a very very long very very simple song which is very narratively driven and yet you are so entranced by the narrative that it doesn't feel long. It certainly doesn't outstay its welcome, even though it's a very simple, repeated piano motif for the most part over almost seven minutes. I guess, once again, this is probably a taste thing rather than an objective thing. Brothers is, for me, affects me more than this does, but also it's not a competition or anything like that. But I think no, I, I, I it certainly gave off that, vibe to me and it is absolutely amazing and definitely one of the mm. best songs on the album undoubtedly i mean look for me i think i've said to you privately and i don't want to fucking ruin our end of year list or anything but oh you're gonna uh, ruin our end of year list again aren't you is this gonna no, be fucked no. up again <laughs> no no i'm not no what i'm gonna say is that there were there were two albums uh, that we and we reviewed both of them there were two albums that were so far ahead of everything else i think this year has been good I think 2022 has been a good year for music, but there were two albums for me. There have been lots of good albums and there have been two absolutely exceptional records. And I thought to myself, that's probably going to be my top two. And now this has come along. There's three that I think stand head and shoulders way beyond anything else that we've reviewed this year. And I think it will probably surprise no one that that this is one of those, those albums. I think this record is... Um, is pretty fucking incredible for the amount of people that are going to hear this record for the shit that he's doing the shit that he's saying and i'll tell you the other thing as well and this is something that we've you know i think we first brought up when we were talking about lincoln park and we we're saying the thing is is that when you try and write for everyone you kind of write for no one and again that thing that we said we said it during the gang of youths review when we we're saying this is a very very specific set of circumstances yeah. that david la pepe is um articulating on this record and the thematics of this record and yet you you can put yourself in his shoes so easily you can empathize and you can recognize all of those things and i think even more so it's even more extraordinary with kendrick lamar because kendrick lamar is not just a guy who happens to have been thrown into you know a very odd and unique set of circumstances he is the biggest musical star on planet earth or one of right and yet i listen to this record and even the bits where he is coming across like i say not always a particularly sympathetic character he has a way with tonality and the how he chooses his words how we kind of the the nuance within his lyrics how he expresses himself just little kind of inflections in his voice where you where you feel like you are looking at listen to this record from a sort of first person perspective and i am nothing like kendrick lamar i could not be further away from being able to empathize with what has Kendrick Lamar has been through in the last seven years, right? Could be me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it could be you. Yeah, or like, sorry, the last five years. But yet you sit there and you go, oh, I know where we are and I get what you're saying and I, and I understand it. And it, you know, it took a couple of listens, particularly on some of the, you know, some of the more um, kind of brasher, more kind of violent sounding material. There's quite a lot of violent imagery 
on the first half of this record that is not it's not always a nice place to be in you know but yet you you're kind of you're always there with him i just feel like i was always like okay and i feel like you know again i'm not going into it too much but the people that have been a bit like oh you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have done that i always felt like no i'm I'm still with him. I'm always with him, no matter where he goes. And he says some things that you do go, fucking hell, mate. But mm. I'm kind of always there with him. I'm kind of always there with him. And I'm kind of like, okay, I get the nuance. I understand the perspective. I get why you feel like that. And I think for someone who, you know, I I, I, I like Beyonce, but I don't empathise with Beyonce. I don't go, oh, I, I know what it's like to be Beyonce. When I listen to Lemonade, I don't go, oh, yeah, I, I, I feel that. Do you know what I mean? I don't like you just go, I can see why, you know, it would be weird that you're massive, you multimillionaire diva getting cheated on by a younger woman with your, you know, rap mogul husband. I can see it probably was hard for you, but I don't actually sit in those shoes. Whereas he puts you in those shoes. I think he's a fucking genius, this geezer. When I talk about Kanye West to you and you go, ah, I'm not really sure. And I'm like, oh, there have been times. Kanye West has done it. Like he's reinvented hip hop a bunch of times. And when he's great, he's a genius. At this point, it becomes very, very difficult to defend Kanye West. But, and, and particularly when you listen to this, you go, you could be doing this. You know, you could be this guy because he's the best. This is astonishing, this record. It's fucking mad. It's mad how good this record is. <sighs> I've got nothing else to say. It's a fantastic record. I mean, like I say, there are things on it that I don't like. I do think it's too long. I think it could have been shortened probably by about four tracks. And I don't think it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. However, in terms of what I'm going to broadly term commercial hip hop, which obviously is not something that I tend to be into at all, really. It's astonishing just how much of this record I think is really fantastic and genuinely quite experimental and unusual um and even even and that's across the majority of the record even the interludes there's that interlude to savior I think it is which has this looping mm. piano thing which like yeah. gradually speeds up I mean that sounds like the sort of thing that John Adams or Steve Reich would do you know that's not a typical yeah, he's he's not fucking around with yeah like yeah 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 you know making things easy or obvious you know i think there's some extraordinary stuff on this record i mean god i'm a little bit worried about you saying you could uh empathize with everything <laughs> on this album because there are definitely things which i absolutely do not um and absolutely draw the line out but i do think that he explores some really fascinating issues i mean father time for example, talking about toxic masculinity and how it's passed on from generation to generation. You know, we talked about that recently. That's what I mean. He's saying, do you not think he's like going, I am fallible. We are all fallible. I think this somewhere. You know, th this is why it reminds me of the Holy Bible. Because you get a song like of walking abortion on the Holy Bible. And, you know, that's quite a nasty sentiment behind that song. But it's presented in a way which is like, maybe not haven't we all had these thoughts but it is going it is saying that like everybody is fallible and will let themselves be manipulated by people who are seen to be more powerful and da, da, da. And actually that's kind of easy for that to happen 
sometimes and i think on this album like worldwide steppers i know people have talked about worldwide steppers like yeah, people that's said, oh, that's definitely ra- one which that's I would racist. With to yeah, but I, I don't struggle with it at all. I don't. I think you listen to that, and that is him going, "Look at me being a cunt because of the institutionalized racism that I've I have seen throughout my life has fucked me up to the point where it's turning me into a bad person." Yeah, I, I do think it has that. I, I do think it has that as well, and I think that that's a nuance that could easily be missed from worldwide steppers the first couple of times i heard it i'll hold my hands up and say i probably did miss that nuance i do get it now and i did i did see that but i mean i don't know there, there are just like uh... it's it's hard and it's an it's an ugly it's quite an ugly song like do you know what i mean like the sentiment is it's whatever you can you can you either will or won't excuse it it's it's presented in a in an in quite a, a violently ugly way like do you know what i mean it's a it's an aggressively nasty quite, quite a nasty song and it puts you in a nasty place but i think that's definitely by design definitely yeah. by design. oh, oh und- un- undoubtedly it's by design and undoubtedly there are songs on this record that are designed to push buttons and often you know particularly in the commercial hip-hop landscape i mean it feels weird to call this a commercial hip-hop album I, but then obviously i mean it's it not really it's so he's a massive, he's a yeah. he's a commercially successful no, no, artist no. only from only but, from a yeah. musical point of view because like i said yeah, i'm yeah. referencing fucking john adams and steve right here but certainly it goes to places far beyond what you'd normally expect in this realm and and he does push things and i think normally when that side of hip-hop pushes things i don't think it's full of nuance i'm obviously speaking incredibly generally here to be very clear Mm -hmm. um but i i I don't often don't think it's like intelligently put across or anything like that and i can't say that with this album so i certainly think i mean you know for an album of this type yeah it is i mean the only one i can think of is dave that even stands close to it really that is the the only yeah in terms of records that we've done within this sort of broad realm uh dave's the only one for me that gets anywhere near it really do you you think i mean the way you're talking about it do you think it's perfect do you think it's like you know 18 tracks like is it not too long or anything like that like really i do i i would give this 10 out of 10 yeah wow okay i would give i would i would undoubtedly give this maybe maybe a nine just because probably wouldn't be allowed to give it a 10 what i'm saying is again i'm gonna fucking you know i'm put my neck on the chopping block this is a classic and people will be talking about this record 50 years from now i can i think i can believe that absolutely i mean for my money you know i don't really like applying scores to things it'd be a high eight for me um okay but that's still really good <laughs> it's still really you good know, yeah really, it's really still good. really good i mean uh, presumably i mean obviously we've only had it a week this ought to pimp a butterfly uh, i'm not really prepared to do that because i've listened to pimp no, a butterfly like twice okay. and i've listened to I, this I'm, half a dozen times i'm actually not i mean i'm i'm not really the fact that i'm not even willing to do that i think is says quite a lot about this record it's certainly i mean um you know just going back to metacritic just to bring a bookend to this uh album uh this has currently has a score of 89 out of 100 so you know in the general perception is i think generally it's not quite as good although having said that being a double album and being so 
broad and you know we talked about uh yellow and green on classic albums and i sort of mm-hmm. made a case that like a lot of people when the album came out were a little bit dismissive of it and generally over the years people have come to really appreciate that actually that album is fucking incredible and quite probably baroness's best album um i can absolutely see that happening with this record because there is a lot going on with it yeah i mean i'm kind of glad we got it it came out and then because i put it on you know when it sort of first dropped if you like um or the morning of the friday morning when it dropped and i was immediately like damn this is good but i have listened to it you know a couple of times every day in the last seven days at least i would say at least a couple of times sometimes like three times three four times i've listened to it a lot and so i think you know there might be people listening to it a couple of times and went oh yeah i'm not sure about that or this or that or maybe you know because i do think you might not get well not you know, might there's no way you're going to get everything first second third time around no i think absolutely. it will take a lot of listens and i, I think kind of about two or three listens into it i was like fucking hell i'm gonna have to listen to this a hell of a lot because jesus christ like i said it's intimidating he's massive and he's made this record which is you know oh well you already know what i think about it and so i was like we we kind of feel like we have to get this right that we have to get this right but the more i've listened to it the more i'm like yeah i think this is i think it's just some of the things i'm just like i've never i've never heard anyone be that kind of not even brazen because it's that arrested development thing of almost going back to like there are set there are there are kind of punchlines to set there are punchlines delivered before the setup comes along mm-hmm. in the first half of the album that then get sort of brought back in the second half and mm. you know all kind of ties goes goes around as well i mean you know like i say dave was my favorite album of last year and i think this is definitely an equal an equal to that record definitely like without any question it is an equal to that record so you know it's just can something come along or has something already come along that i think is an equal plus a little bit more maybe you'll have to wait until december to find out but i mean there ain't no way anyone's releasing anything like surely no one's gonna put anything out better than this in the next fucking six months well five finger death punch are releasing an album aren't they They are yeah that is true yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um that's a concept album about smacking monster energy drinks against your face (laughs) and um pushing weaklings down the stairs so (laughs) that's got a shout that's got a shout of doing it anyway more things um, to empathize with (laughs) i love all that shit yeah i love it anyway mr morale and the big steppers is out um chances are you've probably listened to it but if you haven't and maybe you've just never listened to kendrick lamar before because you just thought oh he might be like drake or something um he's not uh let's move on i've already sort of mentioned it i've already sort of spunked the review (laughs) really but let's talk about heavy pendulum by cave-in the seventh studio album from the boston metalcore turned prog space punks and turned back again uh, the legends that they are the follow-up to 2019's final transmission record and album which we reviewed and were pretty positive about it because it's cave-in but uh it's not strictly one of our favorite cave-in albums it's fair to say isn't it room we, we, we were pretty positive about it and there's some really good stuff on that record i think it, it was sort of a tough one because obviously 
that album was a bunch of stuff which was uh i don't want to say unfinished ideas and unfinished demos and stuff but you know it it wasn't i mean i've noticed that a lot of the press materials are saying that this is the first cave-in studio album in the last 10 years i was like oh right so you're kind of not even viewing final transmission as a like quote-unquote proper album or whatever um but certainly i mean look this uh this is the seventh album if we're including financial uh financial <laughs> final transmission longest cave-in album to date another really long record um very long isn't it 71 minutes yeah. um and mm. but i think like uh i think the album that it reminded me of the most by cave-in is probably perfect pitch black yes Although the reason, which is a fucking brilliant record, although I say that mainly because Perfect Pitch Black, <laughs> Perfect Pitch Black, thank you, um, was it felt like it was kind of like looking back on Cavin's whole career and trying to throw in as many elements from it in as possible, and I kind of feel like Heavy Pendulum is doing exactly the same thing. We get, go on, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, um, just to kind of go back to end, end Transmission, I would say if we are counting it, and there's no, really no reason why we shouldn't count it as a proper cave-in album. No. For me, that is, and again, you know, the bar is high, but that is probably, not even probably, I think it's the worst cave-in album. For me, it's the worst cave-in album in a, in, a, in a career full of absolutely fucking lovely, lovely, lovely records. And I would... It feels, um, it feels like a harsh thing to say, given the circumstances it was made under, but yes, I probably would. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, yeah. that's... The circumstances are the circumstances. We, you know, but we can only talk about what is put in front of us musically. Yeah. And I think End Transmission, unfortunately, is the weakest album in Caven's discography. But you're looking at a, a discography which features fucking Jupiter um antenna and until your heart stops Pretty like astonishing yeah that's three fucking genre classics mm. absolute genre classics i have a um pretty massive a uh, lot of love for both white silence and perfect pitch black i think yeah. both of those records are fucking excellent i particularly love white silence which yeah. is feels like it, it gets more and more weird every time i listen to it it's I feel insane like. that record yeah, yeah. Um, so the bar is really, really high with this. And I think the one thing that we sort of said last time with End Transmission is I didn't really feel like... It felt like cave-in, but it also felt like... Like, lots of bands have sort of nicked what cave-in have done over the years and sort of appropriated it in a, a myriad of different ways. You can say Metalcore was kind of their idea, that kind of um, hardcore via melodic swedish death metal you know you could say like until your heart stops was one of the first albums to go for that kind of thing or um you know even people like code in cambria and the aforementioned between the buried and me but borrowing the idea of you know antenna um but jupiter more really um and i didn't really feel like you necessarily got those particular cave-in isms as strong like the the aroma of cave-in was not as pungent on end transmission and i'm, I'm just going to correct because you said it like four times now it's final transmission and i'm only saying that because we'll get someone on twitter going oh it's not end transmission. yes you're, you're right <laughs> so it's i'm only final, doing it for that reason final transmission yeah. someone's got an album called end transmission i'm pretty sure they uh, have. probably but yeah, yeah i think it's a is it a it's an at the drive-in greatest hits set i believe um that's cool is that this right? station is non-operational so I'm not oh. sure if it is. 
Okay, forget it. I don't know then. Doesn't matter. Somebody will have. It doesn't matter, does it? Um, <laughs> but, you know, as long as it's at, this album is very long, but I do think it gives you a much stronger aroma of classic cave-in uh, <laughs> throughout its 70-minute runtime. What a strange sentence. Um, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, certainly there are, like, we have said this before, inevitably in the cave-in specials that we did, but there is a certain type of guitar tone slash riff. It's one that happens, like, up high on the fretboard when when brodsky or mcgrath is doing are doing those really weird like crystal like guitar lines you just go well this is this is caving straight away and i think you know that comes in straight away on new reality you, you get that caving style riff um like a couple of minutes into the song it really becomes apparent on blood spiller i think which is at once the riff to that is kind of at once beautiful and dissonant at the same time it's absolutely amazing and gives that song a really spacey vibe um almost like a track from jupiter but even heavier you know Mm. and once again um similar to white silence i suppose the album generally starts super heavy and then gradually gets um, lighter, I'm going to say. Uh, not in theme, but certainly lighter in uh, uh, Sonics as it goes on. I think, you know, it starts with some really heavy bangers. You've got a really cool, quite psychedelic uh, middle section. And then it ends on, I'm not going to say strictly acoustic songs, but certainly songs that could be adapted acoustically relatively easily um and i like that ebb and flow of the record i think that works really well i like the fact that cave tend to do that anyway but yeah even i do as well yeah yeah they do yeah they do it in a a kind of slightly odd way on perfect pitch black it's it's probably uh it's more obvious on um i think it's most pronounced yeah it's most pronounced on white silence but i definitely after a couple of listens i definitely noticed that there was that kind of arc to it to this album yeah and I think it's here as well. And I think you're kind of right. I think what you didn't um, point out is that it almost gets, it gets proggy around the middle part as yeah, well. Yeah. And yeah. then it gets riffy again. And then it gets kind yeah, of that's um, fair, acoustic-y. Actually. I mean, you know, Reckoning, the second to last track, has got um, fucking, like, there's so many great fucking riffs on that. But that is one of the best. I mean, you know, you mentioned New Reality. Brilliant. Um, a song like Blood Spiller, best to have a fucking big old heavy guitar riff on it that's brilliant that song and it does uh i think the you know it's great these days to hear steve brodsky and i'm assuming it's nate newton who's taken over bass duties uh, converge i assume it's nate newton doing the the other vocals the the vocals vocals. that used to be Uh, uh, yeah absolutely yes yeah Yeah. the the late great caleb schofield who um you know passed away uh he used to do those heavy bits on i remember seeing him early on and they did big riff and he stepped up to the mic to do that yeah. it's lovely stuff yeah um but yeah man i mean i think there's a few songs on here you know there's there's three songs that tick quite far over the seven minute well seven minutes five nightmare eyes but 
you know, Wavering Angel, the last song was 12 minutes long, over 12 minutes long. Yeah. And that is a, I mean, it's a really, really amazing song. Lovely touching um, tribute, I'm assuming, to Caleb. I mean, yeah. that's, that, you know, mm. I mean, there's probably lots of, I think there's a lot of stuff on this record, which is probably directly about Caleb, or certainly that's the way that fans will see it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, beautiful song. Um, yeah, uh, Wavering Angel. It doesn't feel like twelve minutes either. It feels epic, but it doesn't feel like twelve minutes. No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, and I think uh, against like Steve Brodsky's guitar tone is really, really recognisable. But what's cool about Steve Brodsky is his guitar tone and his guitar style. It's sort of recognisable. Whatever type of guitar he's playing. Yeah, well that that's he's that's got what an I, acoustic guitar on, on this as well, and yeah. he sounds fucking amazing. That's what I mean. And by like that Steve Brodsky. Kind of, crystally kind of those crystal lead lines and i think we've discussed it before we certainly will be discussing it in the future but um his contribution on axe to fall by converge it comes yeah. in and you just go well that's steve brodsky you know he mm. is one of those people who has an identity it's, it's strange in a way because most of the time guitarists who have that are guitar heroes and you wouldn't describe this is no offense to Stephen Brodsky, uh, but you wouldn't describe Stephen Brodsky as a guitar hero. You know, I'm talking about like Slash and Angus Young and so on and so yeah. forth. And yet, he does have that identity to his playing, which I I just love it. I think he's he sort of leaned in more to that idea of him being a guitar hero over. The, I think you see Mutoid Man. And yeah, he's that's sort of true. like the guitars up around his breasts and he's doing all the like head banging and the tongues out and stuff and you're like oh yeah you're loving being like his breasts um, that's an unusual way to put it but sure. well i i try his to chest. think what his chest yes. yeah okay yeah, his chest <laughs> um, his bre- he doesn't have he's a man boobs um, <laughs> yeah he's got moobs and um but you know what i mean like he get he puts like in any stalks sort of stomps around the stage like a kind of sort of <laughs> doom metal angus young and it, yeah. like you're not it, wrong it, but immutoid man, man it's done in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way isn't it you know yeah yeah but i, I think you can wicked. kind of it is definitely done in a tongue-in-cheek way but i think him just doing that maybe has brought it out a little bit more oh, in, right. in cave-in as yeah. well because you know these some of these riffs are fucking unbelievable yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is a really like a super dynamic record as cave-in albums always do tend to be yeah uh, super dynamic, loads of shit going on. Very, very catchy when it wants to be catchy. Really, really heavy. I love the fact that they're back to doing. You know, they haven't thrown the baby out of the bathwater. They've just gone. Yeah, you know, we're going to go back to being a heavy band, but actually, we are still going to keep that antenna, Jupiter style thing. We're not going to get rid of that actually, because there yeah. was this sort of. You know, they got rid of all the metal corey stuff. And they they went into doing that, and there's this sense that you know when they went they you know became a sort of major label alt rock band for a little bit, didn't they? And then they were like, no, we've been dropped by a major label, back to being heavy, and mm. it wasn't, and it was back to being heavy, and they did start introducing some of those until your heart stops um, material back into the light. I remember when they did that, and people were like, oh my god, mm. they said they'd never play it again. Yeah. When you think about it, really, it was only really like eight years like a, between that album coming out and then couple, them starting. Yeah playing him again yeah, it was probably yeah. only really sort of a five-year period where they didn't play those yeah. those songs um and then uh and then they've sort of gone back to going well actually why do we have to choose yeah and they, i think well, it makes the records more interesting like you know as absolutely. i've already said as i already said i like for me this is a really really good record it is a bit long i think with the long songs being so long and there being 14 tracks mm. 
not quite sure that it needs to be quite as long as it is. Are they saying that? I it's agree, but it's difficult to off. know what to take off, isn't it? I yeah. mean, so I really thought about this and I went, if I was tasked with editing this album, what would I take off? Um, and uh, what did I come up with? I'm going to guess. Yeah, I'm going to guess. Do you mind me guessing? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, reckon you, I reckon you would take off. Ooh. I mean, I'm wondering if you take off which I wouldn't, by the way, because I think it's it's only t- it's less than two minutes. It's fucking great. Pendle absolutely not. No, no, no. Good, good. I'm glad you wouldn't take that off because that's fucking excellent. Um, uh, I can tell you what. I can tell you what now. Um, it's uh, waiting for love. I was about to say waiting for love. I was about to say waiting yeah, for love, and you yeah, steamed yeah. in. I was. I was. Um, and Amarinthine, probably. Now, to be super clear, neither of those songs are bad at all. They're actually both very good. And Amarinthine, I particularly um, understand being put on the record because it's one of, um, I think it's one of only two songs that actually has um, a, a sort of Caleb Sofield uh, contribution. I think he did lyrics to it. So mm-hmm. I'm very much willing to forgive that. I'm definitely will- I'm willing to forgive yeah, Wait for Love. Yeah, he wrote it. He wrote it, did he? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to forgive Waiting for Love to be on there as well because it's not a bad song at all. Um, but in terms of like just making it a little bit, uh, I don't know, easier to swallow, I suppose. Um, um, like if, but that's if I were being really, really picky. Um, the amount of amazing material on here. I mean, the title track, "Heavy Pendulum," is so like one of the best. Uh, oof. I mean, ballad is not correct, but one of the best, more sort of trippy, chilled out cave-in songs in their discography, I reckon. Um, it's just, it really, really reminds me of that uh, Limo Rec style Soundgarden vibe. One mm. mm-hmm. of my, even even Heaven Beside You, there's a vaguely grunge feeling mm. to it. But man, man, what a good song. Yeah, it's what excellent. a great song. I think Blinded by a Blaze, the first of those epic tracks, again, has that really cool psychedelic. Uh, well, this time I did I did bring up Limo Rec again, but it's like Soundgarden's Limo Rec crossed with Fourth of July, you know, and that to me. Two is good songs. Two, two, two fucking amazing. I mean, spoiler for our Soundgarden Super Unknown special, but two of the best songs on that record in my opinion or our opinion i think our i think opinion. i think limo record was my favorite and fourth of july was your favorite wasn't it yeah something, it might have been something yeah. like that um and then and that that, that again that high pitched riff which is so kind of cave in comes in around the 3 minute mark absolutely quintessential cave in amazing 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 searches of hell is fucking searches incredible great yeah uh, really great hook another war on the wow is amazing and <laughs> Nate Newton's searches of hell is just fucking great Nightmare Eyes reminds me of Bosk which is really awesome but also has some cool bluesy lead lines in there as well which is really really cool that Reckoning song that you talked about before Adam McGrath wrote that and described the song as somewhere between Led Zeppelin's Battle of Evermore and Mad Season's Long Gone Day which I think is a great shout yeah. And and a song which is probably as good as both of those songs, <laughs> you know, "Battle of Fucking Evermore" by Led Zeppelin, which I think is fucking mm. great, by the way. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant record. This, and yeah. with the minor caveat that I think maybe it could have had around eight minutes shaved off of it. 
and it might have been a slightly better record but even then the two songs i would take off of it are like seven out of tens <laughs> you know they're still very good it's, just, it's another brilliant brilliant cave album it's it's really really good and they are such a fucking awesome band man they're such a great band this is really great is it as good as antenna or jupiter not for me it's not their definitive album but um no. but it's still very 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 good and they are a fucking fantastic band and like i say to, for, for anything to be anything other than just a, a footnote in what considering what we've just spoken about i think is mightily impressive and um this definitely deserves your attention because they're a hell of a band cave in a hell of a band like so good so consistent so unique so heavy when they want to be so catchy when they want to be they're just fucking they're just so awesome so awesome not going to get any uh disagreements from me on that so there you go uh heavy pendulum by cave in is out now let's do one more album viv by spice the second album from the uh, alt rock underground supergroup consisting of members of Sabretooth, zombie and ceremony uh they had an album out in 2020 a self-titled debut album and this is the follow-up to it mm. you you want to do this renfrey have a little give a little um sort of sales pitch for these guys well my fellow well my podcasting um Oh, God. What's the word I'm looking for? Boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, my, my other podcasting boyfriend, uh, Matt Hughes, told me about this band when they released that self-titled debut album. And I was super impressed with that album. Very quick, short, sharp, um, sort of 20, 25 minute record. So I thought it'd be worth giving this one a shout to. And um, I think it proves to be worth talking about. I realise it's coming up against, you know, two very big hitters but um you know it's a big melodic rock record with minor inflections of post-hardcore and email I, I suppose reminds me of stuff like rival schools and joyce manor and basement and Tellison, all stuff that i really really like a lot um and i i think this is i think this is a a very good album like i think it's really really cool the hooks are quite stealthy on it they don't necessarily make themselves known on a first or second play but once they grab you they don't really let you go and because this album's 10 songs and just 32 minutes it has a lot of replayability when i've come to listen to it um i've tended to like put it on like three times in a row kind of thing um but yeah i i i, I there isn't like loads to say from the point of view of uh, <laughs> you know there aren't as many themes to this album or as much going on as the other two records that we've talked about um but i, I think it's no less valid from in terms of a quality perspective, I think it's really, really good. They have a violinist in the band uh, called Victoria Scudlerark, who provides some awesome little additions, um, such as on the conclusion of a song called Vivid, which I think is really cool. Quite often violins in metal, I think, quite often, 99% of the time, violins, and not in metal, sorry, but rock, whatever, you know, I think is usually gimmick, quite gimmicky. Um, but it doesn't feel gimmicky in this case. I think it's um, really cool. Yeah, I quite like this. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good album. It's a nice album. It's quite slight, quite yeah. shoegazy in places. Um, yes. It kind of trundles along and, um, and uh, high-fiving all of the 90s reference from the sort of the 89 to 94 period of alternative rock 
beer in yeah. Britain or they, they, they what I liked about this is before I kind of read up on it so you sent it over to me and I put it on and I was like I get the feeling they're American but they might be British and I can't and, and that is just due to what they sound like not because of any accents or you know where I got it from or who I knew was in the band or whatever um because I did think to myself, oh, well, you know, there's a little bit of uh, of sugar and there's a little bit of uh, Pixies and there's a little bit of Dinosaur Jr. But yeah. also there's a little bit of My Bloody Valentine and there's yeah. a little bit of Jesus and Mary Chain and there's a little bit of Elastica and there's, you know, so it, it kind of, it does that thing. Um, just, to, just to very quickly pick you up on something. You said it's a very slight record and I, I don't... Um, Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, certainly in comparison to what we've been talking about, we've been talking about two records, which are disc fillers, and this is thirty-two minutes. I, I was just going to say, it does put an awful lot into that thirty-two minutes. You know, you've got like moments of shoegaze, you've got moments of rock, you've got moments of like. Um, That's not indie. what I meant by slight, though. Okay. Particularly, what I meant mean, is that it's sure. it's a uh, it's got, no 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 no. I meant that it's its sound is um, you know, there's there's nothing complex here it's just well written songs yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of hark back to a type of music that both you and i really really like yeah, exactly. in that sense i mean you know it's no yeah i mean i guess in comparison to the two albums that we've just spoken about um of course it's going to sound slight because it's essentially you know just a band going hey let's get together and pay homage to all of our favorite uh bands from the the birth period of alternative rock mm. and you know all of the all of the sounds of the record sound really well defined like they've got a really nice bass tone i think the guitar tone on the shoegazy bits particularly sound you know you've got that kind of lovely billy corgan stroke grant nicholas um <laughs> wash uh um you know the drumming's nice and and sort of tight and taut and uh and the vocals are, are, are super catchy and they've got a really good ear for a melody as well mm. you know I, I think like in broadly speaking Although it does, basically does nothing I haven't heard many, 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 many times before. No, it yeah. is just very, very well written songs. A bit like that Wet Leg album. But that's you know, the thing. I kinda, great songwriting kinda... doesn't matter if it's just great songwriting, is it? You know. Mm. Um, I mean, I certainly, you know, yeah. I don't think the Wet Leg album is too bad a comparison. I think this is much better than the Wet Leg album personally. Oh, do you? Yeah. I do. I think the Wet Leg album's better than this personally. But um... no, no, no. Because no. I think the Wet Leg album felt far more. Uh, direct. It didn't feel like there was as much going on. It was more direct. I think there was less to discover. I think Wet Legger. I think Wet Legger have a better, um, a better ear for a hook than Spice. I think their hooks are easier to pick up on. But I think once you pick up on the hooks that Spice have, I reckon they're probably as good. Okay, that would. Um, if you take longer to pick up on them. That makes me think that maybe they're not as good. I I disagree with that. I think there's I think there's a nuance there, but I think um, you know again we talked about it with Manchester Orchestra. First couple of times you listen to that record, it doesn't really sound like there's any hooks on it at all. But when once once you hear them, once they're lodged in your brain, I I don't think a hook. That's a quite has, that's a diff, oh it's very different, different album. It's fair, I know I know, but I don't yeah. think a hook has to get you immediately. More often than not, it does, but I don't think it's like. The first like two listens to this album, I was like, I don't really remember much of it. But by the third, fourth, fifth, I was like singing along to most of the, most of the record, really. Mm. So yeah, I mean that that for me would be why I would say because I think this is sort of 
it feels like a record which is designed to do that thing and i think like it is important to kind of grab people quite quick and i think the uh, there are other things about it that grab grab me like i thought you know it's just it's very evocative of that of that time i liked it i thought it was good i mm. thought it was good i think you the know. only thing i'd say to that i mean first time i ever heard rival schools unite by fate i thought it sounded like a mess and i now would probably put it in maybe one of my top 10 records of all time so well you're a fucking lunatic if you're <laughs> united by fate you thought it was a mess well the when first i said united by fate i was like holy fuck this well, is like incredible but, when i say know. a mess i don't mean necessarily bad but i but in terms of like picking out hooks from it uh i couldn't do that very well really based on one listen not really i bar good things and used for glue probably it felt very undercovers on like that is maybe undercovers that... on as well but you know it, like it, ah I'm... yes it is. that is a fucking i'm just like, i'm just it saying is. it took me a couple no. of listens before i before i got it and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing and i don't necessarily think it's not a bad thing no i think you know like this is having listened to it sort of three or four times i, I think this is a good record and i think like now i was like did find myself kind of knowing what was coming and that's always quite a good sign so yeah i quite like this yeah pretty good yeah, yeah yeah it's good i think they're i think they're a cool band to keep an eye on mm. and and um certainly i think i slightly prefer the first album to this one but you know certainly they seem to be putting out really good quality material and quite often as well so yeah all right cool well that is called viv by the band spice uh we've done quite a long podcast just on those couple of records really um so we'll just sort of let you know what's been going on renfrey breaking news and it's not good news got to be honest i don't know if you've seen this but um we have to do uh, an obituary whilst this is the second podcast this happened to when you put it factor in the uh, the prodigy one that you're probably never going to hear but um vangelis has passed away at the age of 79 so goodness me um, i mentioned him in the kendrick lamar interview i literally I... just mentioned him as we have mentioned a lot a lot a lot a lot over the years over the last couple of years due to just how fucking massively influential um his work you know particularly on the score for blade runner but then also you know he did the chariots of fire Chariot score fire. as well mm. huge um you know that cold chrome sounding synth thing uh is something that you and i have mentioned time and time and time again whether it be with an artist like carpenter brute all the way through to i like trains and now kendrick lamar vangelis um yeah he uh at the moment there's no cause of death to be revealed but um yeah that is just breaking now as we record yeah th this um, this i mean the article i'm looking at on the guardian was put up 44 minutes ago so <laughs> yes yeah, so whilst we've been recording wow i mean so i'm i mean this is hitting me but I, that, that's uh very sad um i mean 79 mm. years old so you know a fairly fairly good life lived in terms of um longevity and stuff but yeah i mean the fact that we refer to van gelis-esque stuff as i just did 50 minutes ago or whatever as yeah. a reference point for you going oh okay i know exactly what that sounds like usually when it sounds a little bit like the blade runner soundtrack yeah more often than not I think says it all really doesn't it you know it really does um and greece's prime minister has put a tweet out um paying tribute to him saying vangelis papa than than 
Fun Asiu. I hope I'm saying that right. Bet you're glad you attempted that. Yeah. Yeah. Is no longer with us. For the whole world, the sad news state the the sad news states that the world music firm has firm sorry has lost the international vangelis the protagonist of electronic sound the oscars the myth and great hits for us greeks however knowing that his second name was odious means that he began his long journey in the roads of fire from there he will always send us his notes mm. um because obviously he was greek uh yeah that is um that is just breaking now and you know you're quite right to to say what what, what he said you know he has become shorthand for robotic sounding synth driven Synth. soundscapes yeah even though that wasn't everything that he did i think it is the blade runner mm. soundtrack isn't it you know and yeah. and that will be considered his masterwork and and for very very good reason like you know i was talking about synchronicity with picture and sound last week for something i think and and when it comes to that and Vangelis, it's very difficult to imagine the opening well, scenes of that film without hearing that score underneath it. Mm. Well, Chariots of Fire, it, yeah, surely Chariots of Fire, Chariots yeah. of Fire yeah. is the 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 big big one that people would be like, oh, I know that song. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I know that that piece of music. So yeah, R.I.P. Vangelis. Um, I I'm sure we will continue to uh, to reference him uh, oh, over and over and over again. Uh, you sent me this one. I thought was quite interesting. Eddie Van Halen left a million U.S. dollars as a donation to U.S. music education organization. So um, obviously we spoke last year. Uh, about the very very sad passing of uh, of Eddie Van Halen, who is one of the most again one of the most instantly recognisable guitarists in history, um, he's left one million dollars to Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. Hmm. Probably, if you know that name, you probably know the Richard Dreyfus film Mr. Holland's Opus. Opus. Mm. You seen that? Yes, which I I love that film. I think that's a it's great, great film, that, film, isn't it? It's a yeah. really light, nice film. Yeah, and Richard Dreyfus is a fantastic actor. Yeah. I mean, he's Bill brilliant. Murray hates him. But, um, oh, is that but, right? I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah. Have you ever seen uh, the film What About? This is something really because we recorded a podcast with Renfrey, uh, or I recorded one of your podcasts, and I was talking about football. I really should have picked films. I should have picked the three like lost great comedy films of the nineties. Yeah. Because What About Bob had with Bill Murray? Say then, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about <laughs> Bob? What's a corner? Um, <laughs> <laughs> why is that man picked up he's the goalie Renfrey. uh but yeah he um uh richard dreyfus and bill murray and what about bob together have you ever seen that film yes i love i love that uh, film. i fucking Brilliant. love it so yeah. much and they he fucking hates him apparently um bill murray punched him in the face and said everybody hates you to richard dreyfus because he was just being an arsehole oh oh well that's a shame um <laughs> but anyway <laughs> uh, that's not got anything to do with Eddie Van Halen what a lovely thing to do I, I, I just thought that this was a lovely story and um, the actual charity is they, they basically give musical instruments to school children to kind of encourage them to start playing and things like that and I just think it's a really cool uh, it's a really cool charity like a really cool idea and it was just a really I thought it was a really nice sweet thing I, I don't have loads to say on it bar isn't that nice and isn't Eddie Van Halen uh, fucking lovely guy, uh, which we mm. have kind of gone over when when he passed. But um, we did yeah, yeah. just a little bit more evidence to support that. Uh, I just thought it was lovely. Yeah, a really lovely, heartwarming news. Um, just like this as well. Eric Clapton has COVID. 
Lovely, heartwarming news. Um, he's had to cancel two shows in his current European tour after testing positive for COVID-19. He put out a statement saying, Eric Clapton is unfortunately suffering from COVID. Having tested positive shortly after the second concert at the Royal Albert Hall, he's been told by his medical advisors that if he were to resume travelling and perform too soon, it could substantially delay his full recovery. Eric is also anxious to avoid passing on any infection to any of his band crew promoters, their staff, and of course, his fans. So he had to cancel shows in Zurich and, uh, and, Milan, and a place near Milan, um, but will be coming back on the 20th of May, which is actually tomorrow as we uh which was today as if you're listening to podcast yeah. today it's it's coming out in bologna so you know get down there get down there guys and cough in his face <laughs> i thought i thought covid wasn't real eric i thought covid yeah. wasn't real the, well this is that, a, this it? is a bit of isn't it he should go out and and be made to perform because you say <laughs> no i'm sorry sorry mate <laughs> uh, i'm I, if i was a doctor i would have gone sorry mate it says you tested positive but i am only a mere medical professional who has worked my entire life in the medical profession. You used to be quite good at the guitar. So you probably <laughs> know better than me what the best course of action is and what to do. I mean, it is a really hilarious irony. It's actually the, the rest of the statement is mad as well. It says, it is very frustrating that having avoided COVID throughout lockdown and throughout the period when travel restrictions have been in place, Eric should have succumbed to COVID at this point in time. But we very much hope that he would be sufficiently recovered by the end of the week to be able to perform the remainder of the planned performances. Yeah, he didn't get COVID during lockdown. Because we locked He was down. in <laughs> lockdown. You fucking idiot. What a fucking yeah, stupid thing. Yeah. Oh, I can't... I don't, I don't get it why he's got it now. It's mad, isn't it? It's um, mad that... I just want to justify, <laughs> I just, just, just in case uh, lawyers get get involved and stuff like that. Um, Eric Clapton hasn't denied the existence of the uh, COVID nineteen uh, uh, disease virus. It's a virus, isn't it? Um, but he was an, he's he has expressed anti vax sentiment. Yeah, um, he uh, so... said that um, vaccination could be forms of mass formation hypnosis i've got a couple of quotes from him here uh he said uh when was this this was may last year so roughly a year ago almost almost to the day actually he said i took the first jab of astrazeneca and straight away had severe reactions which lasted 10 days i recovered eventually and was told it would be 12 weeks before the second one about six weeks later i was offered and took the second astrazeneca shot but with a little more knowledge of the dangers needless to say the reactions were disastrous my hands and feet were either frozen numb or burning and pretty much useless for two weeks i feared i would never play again i suffer from uh, i suffer with peripheral neuropathy and should have never gone near the needle but the propaganda said the vaccine was safe for everyone um i don't think the quote-unquote propaganda has ever said that the vaccine is safe for everyone has it It, it's kind of said it's going to be safe in 99 it's that it's like that um you know mr muscle kills 99.9 percent of bacteria and they have to say that as like a legal thing because you can never kill 100 percent. it's like well for 99 percent of people it's going to be fine but i don't recall any health institution ever saying oh yeah 100 percent, it's absolutely fine because they would never do that because it's medicine like you guys you can't do that with medicine you don't you never know how people are going to react to it so that's incorrect mm. yeah what what a douche <laughs> basically funny isn't it what a douche funny just funny yeah. i think it's just it's it's hilarious irony that 
I mean, we should be careful because he's 76. And if he ends up passing away from this, then we could be in a... But, um... Well, we didn't do it. No, 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 no. But, um... But, uh... Don't make me quote Ivan Drago, Renfrey. (laughs) I want want to hear you quote Ivan Drago, especially (laughs) if he dies... He dies. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, you know. uh, slightly less fun is um, two members of Pearl Jam uh, got COVID as well. So Matt Cameron and Jeff Ament mm. both tested positive for Pearl, uh, for Pearl Jam. The they both tested Jam. positive for being in Pearl Jam, um, which is not a disease. It's actually something quite good. But uh, they also tested positive for COVID as well. So they've had to cancel the remainder of their tour. Um, their kind of spring tour. Two dates in uh, North America, I believe. I, I right, think, yeah. Um, which well, I think was the last couple of dates they it, had for that sort of US spring tour, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I bloody yeah. hope the European tour is going along because... European tour, the, the, the summer tour is still going ahead by the looks of things. Yeah, that'll be another tool situation because I'm going to five of those shows. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look uh, forward it, to that. It's it's almost like uh, that. It's not gone away the old COVID thing, isn't it? Even mm. though we don't really like to talk about it anymore. Yeah, it's like that. Um, the well, the, the the silver lining in that piece of news, and um, I didn't say I was going to talk about this, but just very quickly, on May the sixteenth they decided that they could just about get away with doing stuff without Matt Cameron because they had um, uh, John... Dave, uh, Josh, Dave Knudsen. Well, yes, that was the oh, right, uh, Dave, Dave yeah. Crewson, who was the Crewson. first ever drummer for Pearl Jam, come back on the stool and play, I think, nine out of the 11 songs from 10, which, you know... That's number one. And, yeah, I mean, it must have been an amazing... Uh, a, a cool thing to see certainly I mean I've expressed before that like 10 isn't my favourite record or anything like that but would have been cool would have been cool would have been myself. cool to see 9 of the 11 songs from 10 yeah especially if you'd gone to the cinema to see 7 at 6 before the gig with a couple of members of 5 oh you're giving me a headache um, yeah. yes before going to the gig <laughs> come on can you do 3, three is the magic one? number <laughs> Um, yeah, the the three songs played just very quickly. Uh, three songs. Fucking hell, you're confused. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. The nine songs played. Uh, Once Why Go, Even Flow, Garden, Black, and then Jeremy, Deep, and Alive. And they also chucked in State of Love and Trust with Dave Creason as well, because that's a 10 B-side. Uh, very mm. nice. Lovely stuff. Happy days. Good. Mm. Um, the trial of... The attacks of the 2015 attacks of the Bataclan in Paris are taking place at the moment. And um, Jesse Hughes of the Eagles of Death Metal actually uh, testified this week. And he said some, I mean, he said some rather odd things. He's a slightly odd gentleman. But he, one of the things that, they picked, that people picked up on that he said is that he said, um, of the attackers I pray today for them and for their souls that the light of our Lord shines on them I would like to conclude with one word from singer Ozzy Osbourne you can't kill rock and roll you can't kill rock and roll um, I don't, don't know if you needed to say you know that last bit but um, Jesse Hughes over the last sort of since that that happened I mean obviously there was the initial outpouring of sort of love for eagles of death metal and you know and what they'd been through and they 
got quite quite the boost, didn't they, to their career initially when that happened? You know, they got a very high slot at Reading, got nominated for best international band at the Brits, which let's be honest, they never would have that that wouldn't have happened previously. Um, and then Jesse Hughes started saying things in the aftermath of that regarding gun ownership and you know various different things i think we sort of touched that on before at the time sort of um, redneck sentiments kind of thing yeah i mean to sort of boil it down to a a sentence like that then yeah it's probably yeah yeah, yeah. um but you know i mean i think the sort of reaction to jesse hughes now is it feels like it's like you know he's still uh, that's i feel like that is i mean obviously to go i feel like that's ruined his life of course it <sighs> is mentally going to scar you for a long time and yeah but but people don't seem to have a lot of sympathy for this guy who went through that just for saying a few pretty controversial and things that they might not agree with and yet here he is saying stuff like he said i'm a christian and everyone can be lost and everyone needs to find their way and most of the gentlemen in there do so i forgive them and i hope they find the peace of god themselves and i was always sort of led to believe whether you're religious or not that sentiment of finding forgiveness in you you know i'm, I'm speaking to um another jesse jesse leach from kilsich engage and i asked him about he's a christian he said one of the hardest things to do but the thing that you must do is to find kind of love and forgiveness for your enemies and he's like if you do that he's like that is the kind of core to making you know your the, the world a better place and he didn't quite say it like that but he said you know he said, i think it's really really important to find empathy and forgiveness towards people that you are morally opposed to hmm. which and is we, obviously um, a cornerstone of the christian faith as well it's, yeah i mean it's um, that's hardly but, an idea which is unique to the christian faith but but mm-hmm. you know that is quite a large tenet of it isn't yeah it? and i used to think that was quite a kind of um like a kind of liberal idea as well but i don't feel like maybe it's not so much anymore so i sort of brought it in because i was like well for whatever jesse hughes has been has said he's clearly been mentally traumatized by this thing i think people should kind of remember that he went through that and yet he's getting up and saying that stuff as that as well um i actually think he comes out rather well from saying that i i i think i mean i i do actually think there is i want to be a little bit careful with my words i i think there's something to this might be too strong a word but maybe admire in that certainly if i were in his position i have i have no idea but i can't imagine that i would be willing to forgive the people who caused that attack <laughs> well, I, Mate, I mean, there I don't are loads know. of people that I haven't forgiven for stuff which is massively trivial in comparison oh, to I'm that. I'm fucking furious that you've been comparing theater to the Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, you know, I'm going to get on Twitter about that <laughs> later. You, trust me, like everyone else. Yeah, did just in the you 90s, wait. Um, but you know, I, I think uh, I mean we shouldn't be facetious when we're talking about this stuff. But but you know, like I, I do think there is something quite extraordinary in that in being able to do that and i'm not sure that i could do that myself and i do generally think like i don't know long term 
I have to have a level of admiration for that. At the same, at the same time, I can under, I can kind of understand why people would be like, "How on earth could you do that?" or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, this feels very much above our pay grade in lots of ways. I understand why we're talking about it, but like, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's crazy. I'm sure there's lots of. I mean. I just don't really look at them anymore. I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on the internet which are very black or white, um, mm. you know, very strong. I haven't seen like, any about this. I just saw okay. it and I thought, yeah, that's good for him because he should. Well, like, you know, that's yeah. what you would aim for, whether he means it or not. I mean, you know, it might just be something you say, but, you know, that is the sort of thing that you should aim for. And I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I can't do it. I can't sit here and go like, oh, yeah, I do that. I want to do it. And I've done it for a lot of people, but there are some other people in the world that, you know, I'm just like, no, fuck you. <laughs> Hold that the, grudge forever. The, there and they've people. never done anything as bad as what he went through. So, yeah. fucking hell. There are people in my life who um, have obviously done far less worse things than that that I am still struggling to forgive, you know, in terms of forgiveness and things like that. And 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 I do think, I know, actually, that my life would be probably better and easier if i had the ability to forgive those people um but right now i don't so i yeah i mean i genuinely think that broadly it is a good thing but um but it's also kind of a weird one as well i mean just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're you know saying that what they did is okay you know, no, not at all. Not at all. To... That is a completely different thing. Yeah, that yeah. is a completely. If, if anyone was to say that, I'd say they think they were a bit stupid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's a lot of stupid people. Can't deny that. Yeah. Can't deny that. But yeah, um, you know, fair fucking play to him. Um, couple other things. Um, this is not that much happier to be honest. But you know, maybe in the, it's kind of it's good that it's happening, but it's off the back of something. Um very very sad obviously that happened a long time ago um so bernard sumner and stephen morris of new order yesterday or two days ago on the 18th of may um appeared in parliament to discuss mental health and suicide prevention on the 42nd anniversary of the the death of their former front man in joy division ian curtis so um God, that was 42 years it feels like a really really long time i mean it was meant to happen in in 2020 there was an event um that was due to take place in 2020 to mark 40 years since the passing of ian curtis but obviously covid delayed that so um there was a special talk um titled suicide prevention breaking the silence taking place in the speaker's house of parliament and um you know it is i think as we've seen even if we go back to last week you know and as we sort of briefly discussed there is a sort of epidemic of this happening with increasingly kind of young men in 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 our society and um anything that can be done by people who've gone through it who probably you know the guys in new order will really really understand just how hard it is to have to deal with that um is obviously a good thing um Bernard Sumner said, originally we didn't think he had a mental health problem. We thought he had a problem with epilepsy. He seemed like a regular and happy-go-lucky guy. His lyrics were a bit on the dark side, to put it mildly. But when Ian was with us on a day-to-day basis in rehearsals, he was a good laugh. You look at a lot of photos of Ian at the time, and a lot of them are him with his head in his hands. Those photos were taken two weeks before he died. Most of the rest of the time, he was fine. 
um and yeah like you know you you think back now i guess you know we did a joy division special we kind of eulogized about ian curtis and we said you know like for you and i probably i mean i got into joy division when i was uh a teenager and you know you probably i don't know when you first heard them but it was long since the death of ian curtis and he had mm. just become this kind of eulogized mythical you know deeply depressed you know figure who had a fucking rain cloud walking over you know over his head the whole time but that according to the people who knew him like he wasn't like that and you kind of see it in the movie control as well you know you see that he wasn't like that all the time and um it seems so weird that it's taken people it's taken 40 years to really start addressing stuff like this which is like you wonder why it ta- it's taken 42 years to go to parliament and have the members of new order go can we uh maybe try and like look out for people a little bit better yeah um uh, this is a topic very very close to my heart um i think um i'm on waiting list at the moment on the nhs for um counseling and they are you know they're very very long um and i've had all sorts of um i've had all sorts of issues getting counseling a couple of years ago i tried to get bereavement counseling and um uh was asked to put on a list and the um there was an administrative error which basically meant that they had said they'd put me on a list but i wasn't on a list and i didn't find out about it for about about a year and a half uh because i was told you know often the waiting lists for this kind of care is around 18 months i mean that is at the moment in in england certainly that is the that is the the kind of wait and if you're going through there, crisis, there's actually a quote from bernard sumner in the mm. notes of his speech where he says you hear tales of the 18 18 month long waiting list you can't go on a waiting list if you're thinking of killing yourself that's ludicrous that's what he took from it yeah the um i mean if you're in, if you're in a state of crisis and you can't um you need help straight you need help straight away you know you need help straight away and um obviously you know as everyone as everyone in this country when speaking about the nhs says wonderful institution we absolutely love it blah 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 um and i think a lot a lot of these things are down to um not just not just cuts to the nhs but also the sort of meddling that um the government has done in terms of just putting so much red tape the the people who i know who work for the nhs actually say that more than anything and i don't want to like express this as the you know expert opinion or anything like that but more than anything the nhs needs restructuring rather than just having money thrown at it because um you know there are some governments recently who have put so much administrative bollocks into it um that 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 ends up taking up um a lot of their time that they could be using to treat patients um it's uh it's it's a real travesty and it is enormously difficult to ask for help when you're in a state like that as it is 
because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You feel isolated. You feel alone. You don't feel like anyone knows what you're going through. And as a result, even just asking for help is a monumental mountain to climb. And then when you get presented with people telling you that it could be over a year before anyone will be able to see you. It's such a letdown because the institutions that are there that are meant to be there to help people, you just feel failed by them. And I don't want to say that the NHS is failing people. I don't want that taken out of context or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I think the people, you know, I think it's people higher up who are failing people, but it is, it is, a monumental issue especially for men actually in our age group it's actually kind of like i think it's 25 it's to the 40 biggest, it's the biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in yeah. the country yeah you know i mean yeah if you go to the enemy um website uh they've got the whole kind of story of this on there there's a big interview with um with bernard sumner on there with really interesting stuff that he says like kind of echoing a lot of the stuff that you've spoken about and mm. talking about you know societies i guess that we're sort of set up as a society to be i mean he he called schools he says schools need to have less emphasis on being exam factories and focus more on people's individual needs which is something mm -hmm. that i would absolutely, absolutely agree with yeah um and you know it, it, it's a lot of really really interesting stuff on there about it and you know and, and very important stuff and you know like i've spoken about um new order and joy division a lot uh over since we've been doing this podcast i think that's at least two joy division you know we've done two joy division albums and one new order album that we've spoken about before but i've mentioned um uh, i think I mentioned you gave a me a new order on trade technique off. yeah technique yeah. Yeah. Mm. um and yeah, I mean, you know, they're a they're a band and a group of people who I massively admire, and it's just something else I think is, you know, that uh, yeah, I'm I'm obviously in total agreement and you know uh, admiration for them doing this. It's yeah. just a shame that you know it took them forty two years to get into Parliament to actually be able to discuss these sort of things, you know, and uh, I think that says quite a lot, really, doesn't it? I do want to share one good piece of news um, regarding this. Um, I'm just taking this directly from The Guardian. In 2020, OK, it's not going to sound like good news initially, but please wait for me to, to finish. In 2020, 5,224 suicides were recorded, three quarters of which were by, were by males. The suicide rate is markedly lower now than it was in the early, 90, uh, early 80s, sorry when Curtis died, when there are around mm. 14 suicides for every 100,000 people. So, you know, giving the full perspective, obviously that's good news that it's gone down. But 5,224, you know, it's still too much, basically. It's a lot. You know. It's a real lot. Um, anyway, last thing I was going to talk about, <laughs> this fucking guy... Billy McFarland. You might know their name if you watch the Fire Festival documentary. Yeah. Where are there's a little segment on the show, where are they now? In prison, although he's actually been let out fucking early, this geezer. So Billy McFarlane is the founder of the Fire Festival. The Fire Festival, which became 
that massive Netflix smash hit thing in um when would it have been like early 2019 um, i think people went kind of crazy for the yeah documentary because i thought 2017 i, I thought the Fire documentary from... came out during covid but 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 yeah uh, sorry during lockdown but maybe maybe yeah something oh like maybe that. it did yeah. i don't think it was lockdown because i remember watching it in my old flat in london oh, okay. uh so i don't think it was during lockdown but um but obviously the festival itself we all knew what a fuck up it was yeah. when it happened in 2017 um he pleaded guilty to multiple counts of fraud and was sentenced to a six-year jail term. He spent six months of his sentence alone in solitary confinement. Which and, can't be fun, um, to be fair. Which can't be fun, no, being stuck with just yourself. And when you're as much of a dick as that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's, he's, he's out for release on the August the 30th this year. So... He uh, was convicted yes. back in 2018 or 2019, I think. They said it in the in the actual documentary at the time because he was, you know, he was he was going to jail. Let me just check. I'm going to click on some... Li- 11th of October, 2018, he was sentenced to six years. So he should be out in 2024. So he's done, he's done three and a half years. Yeah. You know, he might have been behaving well. Who knows? Well, uh, I, I was going to say, I mean, in a way, I'm not saying that this is a non-story necessarily, but what I will say is it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, no. Yeah. Because, it's not uncommon. Um, you know, when you are served your sentence, obviously that there are a number of things that you can do in prison to incentivize people to do good things which will then reduce their sentence. So you can do exams, for example, if you if you choose to um, take part in some sort of higher education or something like that. There are programmes that you can do and that, you know, if you do well in them, that will reduce your sentence. And I think the only thing I will say about it is I don't strictly think incentivising people to do good things and saying, if you do that, we will reduce it. I don't... I don't think there's strictly anything wrong with that. I, I, and in fact, I actually think that's not a bad idea because you're trying, you're attempting to, you know, if someone's in prison, you want to rehabilitate them in, in some sense, don't you? In fact, there's probably an argument to say that it could go even further. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the articles that I have seen about this haven't, they, they focus on the fact that he's getting an early release in order to stir up people. But... I don't know for a fact that he had that is good behavior or anything like that, but it is really common. It's really common. Mm. So, I mean, you know, I think he's a fucking crook and probably should. He is. Yeah. I mean, if you look at these people, I mean, the thing is, is I don't want to, it's really hard not to make massive fucking snap judgment calls on pricks like do you know what i mean when you know like oh you set up this festival which you knew was a load of bollocks sure. you're a big old you're a quote-unquote entrepreneur do you know what i mean you're just a fucking instagram fake and and the thing is you know you go back to that that the footage f- that was on that documentary and i would be lying if i said i didn't find watching influencers who are thinking they were going to be like you know swimming in the bahamas with snoop dogg I would be lying if I didn't find it funny that they were just stuck on a, you know, a, a bit of sand in a teepee <laughs> with a bag of 
cheese and onion crisps. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, would be look, a liar don't, if I say that I didn't find that funny. Yeah, but, don't, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that you know he deserves to be off early or anything like that. I'm just, no. I'm just saying that the the idea behind it, if that is the reason why he's got out of I mean, if it could be something else, it could be like he's bribed someone high up and that that you know because that sort of shit happens as well um in prisons i'm I'm not i'm not in any way sitting here and going oh yeah the prison system is totally perfect because fuck me it needs a lot of revision but that idea of incentivizing people to do good things in order to reduce your sentence as an idea i don't think is is necessarily bad of course we don't know the details of that for this particular case because none of the media outlets are choosing to concentrate on that at all (laughs) because it's not as interesting they're not um but oh yeah i mean (laughs) just a little uh just sort of a little roundup to see what he's up to now (laughs) he's back (laughs) he's gonna be out soon he's probably gonna do some fucking i don't know music award ceremony on the (laughs) titanic or something do you know what i mean like that's what oh god God, as long as we're not nominated that'll be fine yeah that we will be (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> they're all they're all going out to i mean bring me the horizon they're doing this aren't they they're doing that thing in malta where they've got that their own festival with like them and the nova twins and fucking wargasm and bear tooth i don't think we can assume that every single festival that takes place in like sunny climbs or on a nice island or anything like that is going to be a disaster <laughs> no, no, i'm we... not saying that i'm just saying i'm just saying that like basically like it's kind of i wouldn't say inspired a bunch of but it's like it's a thing now to go and do these kind of luxury more luxury based things and i did you know i out of just pure um i don't know rubbernecking i went and looked at the prices for that bring me the horizon thing and it's so expensive so oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so expensive, and you go, you're going out to Malta, and you're going to watch Bring Me the Horizon, supported by Wargasm and fucking Nova Twins, and you're like, awful lot of track yeah. at that festival, awful lot of track at that festival. <laughs> My yeah. goodness me, yeah, yeah. I mean, they um, they like, I would say they shouldn't be allowed to call it live music, uh, but hey, you know, I've banged that drum quite a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, they could just not go. They could save themselves the price of a train, of a plane ticket, and not go. Just play their CD in front of cardboard cutouts, and then well, be better. <laughs> I mean, not bring me. To be fair, I think bring me do. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure that Ollie Sykes does, but I think like mm. you know, people in bring me do actually do stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Live. Um, the other two, I'm not sure. Well, actually, I've never seen Never Twins, so I've no idea. I'm pretty uh, yeah. There's a lot of like I mean a lot of orgasm. Uh, to be clear, I'm not. Uh, I, I mean, orgasm are the worst offenders of those three by far. Um, I'm I'm yeah. I mean, Nova Twins definitely do stuff live, but there there is an awful lot of track as well. There is. Anyway, um, okay, good. See you next week, everyone. We're going to head off now. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. That's the end of it for this week. Next week, looking forward to next week, Renfrey. Got to be fucking mad for it, aren't we? Doing a new Liam Gallagher album, man. Oh, yeah. Doing Liam. Might have a guest on as well. We might have a guest as well next week because uh, we want to get more guests, basically. But we'll we'll, we'll tell you who that is uh, another time. But we will definitely be reviewing the new album from Liam Gallagher because we've got that and I've listened to it um, as you were. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>